Hey, Grace Church. I'm Jay Cross, church plant resident here at Grace Church. And today I have the privilege of sharing with you from the book of James. James has to be one of my top 66 favorite books in the Bible. And so I'm appreciative to be able to share a lesson today that will help you grow forward in your own faith. While you may know Nike's famous slogan, just do it, what you might not know is the origin of that slogan. In 1998, co-founder Dan Weeder found himself pressed to meet a deadline to come up with a slogan. It was at that time that he was reminded of a man who was set to be executed by firing squad. When a man was being executed, he was asked for his, if he had any final words. The man responded, let's do it. Dan Weeder found inspiration in that, but he did not like let's, so he changed it to just, and there ensued Nike's 32-year run at the top of the clothing and apparel industry with the slogan, Just Do It. A major part of their success can be attributed not only to the slogan, but their marketing campaign to convince consumers that if they simply wore Nike clothing, they would become more and more like the godlike athletes we see in the Olympics or in the NBA or in the National Hockey League or gymnasts that we see bouncing off of beams and swinging from rings. Nike was convincing an audience that they could be like Mike if they simply wore Nike clothing. Now, I don't know about you, but mama, she ain't raised no fool. I know if Nike were to send me the same uniform worn by Michael Jordan, LeBron, or Simone Biles, there's no way I'm going to become just like them, no matter how much Nike gear I have on and how many times I say, just do it. Look, walking into a garage does not make you a car. And wearing Nike uniforms will not make you become the next supreme athlete. Wearing a uniform doesn't make you an athlete. The athlete is what makes the uniform. Because the athlete puts in the work to be worthy of actually wearing the uniform. Now we've all met people in our lives who will tell us on a regular basis that they're Christian. They go to church. They know some scripture. And on a good day, they pray over their food before they eat. However, upon further examination, we will find that their life is more slogan than all in when it comes to living out the Christian mission. They're wearing the uniform, but they're not in the game. James gives us a warning about living like this. In James 1.22, it says, but don't just listen to God's word. You must do what it says. Otherwise, you're only fooling yourself. That reminds me of a quote I used to hear all the time. It says, you can fool all of the people some of the time and some of the people all of the time, but you can't fool God. 
Christian faith is not a spectator sport. It is about action. Brings us to our first point. Faith moves. Faith causes our humanity to move from a commitment to a course navigated by disobedience to God and move towards a life that is navigated by the Holy Spirit that the Father's will be done in our life and the world around us. James 2, 14 through 18 says this, What good is it, dear brothers and sisters, if you say you have faith, but you have no actions. Can that kind of faith save anyone? Suppose you see your brother or sister have no food or clothing and you say, goodbye, have a good day, stay warm, eat well, but you don't give that person any food or clothing. What good does that do? So you see, faith by itself isn't enough. Unless it produces good deeds, it is dead and useless. Now, someone may argue some people have faith. Others have good deeds. But I say, how can you show me your faith if you don't have good deeds? I will show you my faith by my good deeds. Look, we're responsible for having faith and that faith must result in action that is driven by that faith being at work on the inside of us. Let me say that again. We are responsible for having faith, and that faith must result in action that is driven by that faith being at work on the inside of us. Now, James is not alone in teaching this. Jesus said something very similar in Luke 6, 43 through 45. He said this, a good tree can't produce bad fruit and a bad tree can't produce good fruit. A tree is identified by its fruit. Figs are never gathered from thorn bushes and grapes are never picked from brumble bushes. A good person produces good things out of the treasury of a good heart. And an evil person produces evil things from the treasury of an evil heart. What you say flows from what's in your heart. What Jesus is saying here, similar to James, if we have faith at work in us, the evidence will be seen by what is produced out of us. Again, Christianity is not a spectator sport. It's about being in the game. We could go a little bit deeper in what Jesus was talking about because Jesus is really talking about from going from the root of our faith to the fruit of our faith. And what he's saying is we must plant ourselves firmly in our faith and it produces fruit that confirms we are indeed rooted in God. 
Now, uh, I'm no gardener, okay? Uh, I have no green thumb at all. I, I don't deal with flowers. I, I might buy them from my wife on occasion from time to time, but you won't see me out in the garden down on my knees digging up soil and all that. But over the years, I've learned a little bit about it. And I, I've learned that good soil helps flowers to grow well. Right. So if we say we are Christians and we plant ourselves firmly in God, what is produced out of us is good because God is good. Our roots in God should grow deeper and deeper and deeper. And what is produced out of us should be more and more good because those that are planted firmly in God are in a good thing and should produce good, just like Jesus said in Luke. See, our faith, it brings us to heaven. Our actions brings heaven down to earth. See, that's the, that's the fruit of our faith. When we're acting in our faith, people get to experience some of what is happening in heaven through us. The Bible says that Jesus is seated at the right hand of God, interceding on our behalf. When we are in prayer, connecting to God and walking firmly with God, those things begin to manifest out of us. And what comes out of us changes people's lives. It starts inside of us. It does a great thing. And when that work is finished in us, people get to experience the great thing that God is doing in us. Acts 26, 20 says this, I preach first to those in Damascus, then to Jerusalem and throughout all of Judea, and also to the Gentiles, that all must repent of their sins and turn to God and prove they have changed by the good things they do. Repent of our sins, turn to God, and prove it by how you live. Listen, it's not just about doing good things, right? We all know how to do good things, right? We know how to treat people well. We know how to treat people good. But really what it's about, it's doing good things that God would be glorified. We don't just want people to be like, ah, that's a good person. Oh, yeah, talk about you and they say, that's good. No, no. We want the good that we do to result in people coming to know God. We want people to chase down God and ask God to come into their life because of the good they see at work in you. We want them to be turned on by God being turned up in you. Amen. Faith without action is dead. Let's, let's look at it like this. If you see a corpse, you look at it and you go, ah, that's, that represents a human being, right? But the problem with that corpse, if it has no heartbeat, if it has no blood flowing, no oxygen in it, then it has no life. Right? The faith at work in us 
has to produce life or it is dead. There has to be a constant flow of faith happening in us so that it reaches and it's at work. Listen, we are attempting to house the spirit of God being at work in and there is no way the spirit of God being at work in us should be not active. It's the spirit of God. It has to be producing at all times because God is full of life. God is full of good. And that thing being at work in us should be producing. Don't let your faith die while you were in the land of the living, but let it continue to produce the good thing that God has put inside of us. When, when Jesus was asked about this whole faith and, and what it means to really live it out. He said, he said, the most important thing, this is in Matthew 22, 37 through 40. Jesus replied, you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, and all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. The second is equally important. Love your neighbor as yourself. The entire law and all the demands of the prophet are based on these two commandments. Jesus said the biggest sign of our faith moving is how we love people around us. How we respond to God himself. See, the biggest thing we can do if, our, if we're saying our faith is moving is we've got to express the love of God at work in us. James continues right along in this, brings us to our second point. Faith loves. James 2. It says this, James 2 verse 1 says, My dear brothers and sisters, how can you claim to have faith in our glorious Lord Jesus if you favor some over others? Now, just a little context here. James was mindful of what the people he was ministering to at the time were bickering about, right? They had issues among them that were related to classism. And James is really addressing that because they were starting to show favoritism to one group over the other. And James is saying, hey, it can't be that way. In fact, he listed some examples there for people being discriminatory against each other other, right? And it, remember, his, his audience was really Jewish believers who had been oppressed by Rome, right? They, they had a, a, a common cultural alignment. They were aligned politically, but they were really divided over economic class, right? Can you think about something that we're divided over today, politically, economically, by sports team? I mean, come on. We could you seen a Buffalo Bills game if a Patriots fan shows up there, it could get really out of control. Or if we're a, a Yankee fan in Fenway Park, it could we we'll get really out of control, right? We can let favoritism get the best of us, right? Because remember. When things happen in us, they have an encounter with our sin nature that's at work in us, and we can take something that's not so big, and it can run deeper. It can hurt and produce death out of us. So we must be very careful about that. Verse 8, it says, Indeed, if you fulfill the royal law prescribed in scriptures, love your neighbor as yourself, you are doing well. 
If, however, you show favoritism, you commit sin and are convicted by the law as transgressors. transgressors. For whoever keeps the entire law and yet stumbles at one point is guilty of breaking it all. James was talking to Jews, okay? That's why he mentions the law. While we are not under the law, but covered by grace, the expectation for Christians living in love is the same. James 1.27 says, Pure and genuine religion in the sight of God the Father means caring for the orphan and the widow and those in their, and those in their distress and refusing to let the world corrupt you. How we love the vulnerable, the poor, those different from us matters to God. Because when we do this, it is us presenting ourselves as living sacrifices that no longer bring honor to our own selfish ambitions, but bring honor to God and his will for creation to be restored back to himself. Romans 2.11 says this, for God does not show favoritism. And I, for one, am very glad that God doesn't show favoritism. Because if he did, he might not have accepted me. God not showing favoritism allowed me to, to enter into this beautiful relationship where Jesus can do a great and mighty work in a fully broken human being. Galatians 6, 2 says this, share each other's burdens. And in this way, you will obey the law of Christ. Not showing favoritism isn't the goal. Caring for others is the goal. It's not about this favorite thing. It's about caring for others. So it's not enough that we aren't against the poor. It's not enough that we're not against that we're not against the vulnerable or, or the different. It's expressing the love of God towards them. Right? Letting that, that happen out of us. Because when that happens, we're breaking past our selfish selves. And anytime we are breaking past, our selfish selves, it's a good thing. Julian the Apostate said, when it came about the, that the poor were neglected and overlooked by the pagan priests, then I think the impious Galileans or the Christians observed this fact and devoted themselves to philanthropy. They, the Christians, not only support their poor, but ours as well. All men see that our people lack aid from us. Julian the Apostate told everyone to act like the Christians, but they never did because of their own social values. If Julian were here and he saw your display of Christ's loves towards the poor, the vulnerable, and those different from you, would he encourage people to follow your lead? Would he say, 
Look at Sarah's life. Look at Bill's life. Look at Jason's life. Look at Anthony's life. Look at Sean's life. Look at his life. And be generous like them. Love like them. Express it. Would he say that about you? If he wouldn't, I want to challenge you even right now to ask God, pray, and ask God to make you someone that Julian would point other men to, other women to, and say, follow that person's lead because they are expressing the love of Christ and the fullness of its authenticity. A third point here is faith does. James 2, 19-22 says, you, have, you say you have faith, for you believe that there is one God. Good for you. I love James. James has this sarcastic approach in some of what he says. You say you have faith and you believe there's one God. Good for you. <laughs> Even the demons believe this. He comes right back at them. Even the demons believe this and they tremble in terror. How foolish. Can't you see that faith without good deeds is useless? Don't you remember that our ancestor Abraham was shown to be right with God by his actions when he offered his son Isaac at the altar? You see, his faith and his actions work together. His actions made his faith complete. John 14, 15 says this, if you love me, obey my commandments. Jesus tied the love we have for God and the faith we have for God to our willingness to do what God says, obeying his commandments. Hebrews eleven nineteen says this, it was by faith that Abraham offered Isaac as a sacrifice when God was testing him. Abraham, who had received God's promises, was ready to sacrifice his son Isaac. Now, that's a tough one for me. Even though God had told him, Isaac, your son, through whom your descendants will, Isaac is your son through whom your descendants will be counted. Abraham reasoned that if Isaac died, God was able to bring him back to life again. And in a sense, Abraham did receive his son back from the dead. Look, point is, faith might require you to do some things that don't make sense to other people. Faith might require you to do some things that don't make sense to other people. One big thing is to love unselfishly. It's a tough one. One big thing is to follow God's commandments. One big thing is to let God continuously be at work in you and not fight against it. That might not that might look very strange to a lot of people, but you know what? You're a Christian. Your concern is more about God's will being done in your life than what might look strange to other people. Abraham was so filled with what with faith in God that he was willing to trust God with the life of his own son. In our lives, we should commit to follow God with our sexuality, our money, our work, our ethics, 
I mean, what is God calling you to do in these areas? You got to bring those things to, we got to bring those things to God and do it. Our entire humanity belongs to God. And as Christians, we seek to be guided by the Holy Spirit to submit every ounce of our humanity back to God. Ephesians 2.10 says this, For we are God's masterpiece. He created us anew in Christ Jesus so we can do the good things he planned for us long ago. I have a couple of applications I want to put out there for you. Maybe you are a non-believer. You, you don't know Jesus yet. You're seeing this and you feel a stirring up in your spirit. The first thing I spoke to you about was that faith moves. If the Holy Spirit is pulling on you right now and you're saying, I want to know Jesus, you're sitting on the sideline and, and, and you're like, I, I want to be in the game. I don't just want the uniform. I don't just want to go to church. I don't don't just want to uh, be what you might have heard Christians are, but I want to know Jesus. I want to get fully in the game. I want to invite you to get off the bench and let that faith, that small mustard seed that's happening on you, let it grow deeper into a healthy, growing relationship with God. Your prayer today is God Help me get in the game by accepting Jesus as my Lord and Savior. Let this be the first movement of your faith. Maybe you are a Christian and you're living your life, but you're struggling with loving others. Let Let your prayer today be, God, help me to love like you do. Because faith loves. And lastly, maybe you're a believer, but... You're struggling with the doing, submitting your life to sheepish behavior that shows Jesus is the shepherd of your life. Your prayer is, God, help me do what you have commanded. What has God told you to do? It's time to stop saying and just do it in the area of your family, in the area of your money, your work, your ethics, your sexuality, whatever it is, it's time to stop saying and start doing. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for who you are. I thank you that you are a big God that specializes in small details. And we know that we are the small details that you specialize in. Pray, God, that you would speak to every person that is hearing this message and feeling in their spirit that it's time to move or it's time to love or it's time to do. God, minister to each one of those things that's happening. And I pray in the name of Jesus that people would grow from this message today. Let it take root in them. Let them get up take up their cross, follow you daily, and do as you have commanded us to do. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. God bless you. God cover you. God keep you.